You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Welcome in, Teak Nation Podcast listeners and friends. It is Monday, March 22nd. A very happy fourth birthday to young Ava Swenson, who uh, has already started the celebration today. Uh, if anyone out there was thinking of maybe sending over some some new Barbie stuff or an LOL doll, perhaps, uh, please save your money. We we don't need it. But um, it is it is well, it's not. It's March sadness now. It, we've shifted from March madness to March sadness, and you know I I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it until we uh, we really dive in. So if you're not a basketball fan and, and you're not in tune with the NCAA tournament, this might not be the podcast for you today because we are going to we are going to talk about it a lot. But if if you are a fan, let's dive in here. And uh, Donnie, have you picked any games correctly up to this point? I selected Houston to Good beat for Rutgers. Good for you. Which is a great victory. Uh, nice, what nice else? Job. What else did I select? I selected Baylor. I think that, so I've got two there. I've got two teams in the Sweet 16 as I look here that I feel really, really good about. Yeah, I'm at, uh, I'm at, I'm at three. Three of the eight that have been decided, I, I picked correctly. Um, it's only, it's only going to get worse from here, though, really. It's, it's just, it's been an absolute nightmare. Uh, but as we talked about a little bit yesterday, we are at the point where we no longer have to stress or worry about anything going on with the games. And now we can just root for chaos. Now it's just all about every double-digit seed picking up wins. Uh, there's there's no sense in even getting upset anymore about wins and losses. Well, and I think the other piece that I feel a little more comforted by is that I didn't watch near the amount of college basketball this year that I typically do. So I really wasn't educated on which teams were playing well. But I will say for all of the years that I have had a bracket, which as long as I can remember I have never had such a phenomenal performance as I had in the South, the South region, Al. After yeah. the first round games, right? Those first eight games, the only game that I got right was Baylor. That that is next That's level. That's bad. That's real That's bad. next level impressive. Yeah. North Carolina, Wisconsin, I picked North Carolina. Villanova Winthrop, I picked Winthrop. Purdue North Texas picked Purdue. Texas Tech, Utah State picked Utah State. And then the one that got me, all sorts of folks were saying, listen, Colgate was I think they were 23 hmm. and one or something crazy like that right they're gonna they're gonna beat Arkansas and they were leading most of the game then they get bludgeoned by 17 at the end uh and then I picked Virginia Tech over Florida which Virginia Tech led most of the game goes into overtime Virginia Tech loses to Florida and then Oral Roberts over Ohio State so it's just yep. a complete train wreck of a bracket I do have Baylor in my final four so that's still alive but uh Lord knows when they play Villanova, uh, that could that could end that because Villanova all of a sudden seemed like a team that was going to get knocked out in the first round. Now they seem like a team on a mission. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I had Villanova losing. I uh, went through it making the the Sweet Sixteen, and they just disposed of them and disposed of North. I mean, Villanova, you could make an argument, has been the the best team of the tournament so far. So, uh, Gonzaga uh, plays today. We'll see if they can can keep it going. Um, and by the time this podcast releases, we will know if they're going to keep it going. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not been pleasant for the bracket. But uh, the the two inflection points that I was was talking about yesterday with any March Madness 
year is when when Duke loses and when my bracket is no longer a viable option to win me any money. And those two things, well, Duke didn't even make the tournament. And then both of them happened before the end of the first weekend this year, which uh, has freed me up considerably. It's it's made this a little it was unpleasant there for a while. It's going to make it more pleasant in the long run. Uh, The one pet peeve that I do have that I notice every year is when people after like two games start talking about how their brackets busted just because they picked two games wrong, your, your bracket and this could, this could still apply to, to a lot of people out there. Your bracket's not busted in my opinion until either uh, or one of the following happen. You have lost two of your four final four teams. You have your national champion has lost, which for some people it has with Illinois and Ohio state. Uh, you no longer have the option to have at least five of the eight elite eight teams in, in the elite eight. Up until that point, just got to pick a few upsets, you know, maybe get 10 or 11 in your sweet 16 in there. And then if you can get, you can get six of eight, three of four and, and nail that final game, you still got a chance. So, so don't go in with the, the outlook that your bracket is completely wasted. If you can still, you know, if you have Michigan, Gonzaga and Baylor in your final four, and, and maybe you got Gonzaga playing Baylor in the championship game, still possible. You know, even if, even if you had Illinois in the final four, even if you had Ohio state, playing in the elite eight, but sadly, you know, for, for me, it was actually cruising along pretty well there most of Friday and most of Saturday. And then you get to the very last game on Saturday night, which was Abilene Christian and Texas and Texas loses by a point. And then the very first game on Sunday, which was Illinois Loyola, which I, I'm not going to apologize for saying that Loyola was going to lose to Georgia Tech and that Georgia Tech was going to beat Illinois because Georgia Tech didn't have their best player. And I could not have predicted that when we recorded the podcast last week. I still stand firm that if Moses Wright would have played for Georgia Tech, they would have beat Loyola. So for those waiting for me to apologize, Nick Kimball, I'm not going to do it. But then really it was a span of about 14 hours from 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night until about 1.30 p.m. on Sunday that it was just let's let's rip the bracket up. Texas is out. Illinois is gone. And we'll, we'll fire it up and try again next year. Yeah, I mentioned to you in a text, you know, you start already, already start to look and we only have we only have four of the matchups in the Sweet 16 right now, but uh, you look at uh, Arkansas and Oral Roberts, and that Arkansas-Oral Roberts game looks like a week one SEC college football game that you know they're going to, you know, Arkansas is going to run Oral Roberts out of there by four touchdowns. And so, uh, I mean, you've got a double-digit, uh, there's four matchups, and three of them have a double-digit seed in them. You know, Loyola Chicago gets to where the old home whites getting to play Oregon yeah. State. yeah. I mean, they, their, their path to the final four might be as, as easy as any path left outside of Gonzaga, just beat Oregon state. And then Houston has not looked all that good. They've laid it on Cleveland state, but Houston better be ready. Houston better be ready to play that two, three zone because uh, that thing will take you down as well as old buddy Bayheim raining threes. Oh, yeah, I'll, and I'll give you I'll give you another another maybe pet peeve of mine. Just things that annoy me. Every year, Syracuse is on the bubble, and they were on the bubble this year. They were not good in the regular season. Watched them play a few games. Being a, a Duke fan, watched watched some ACC basketball. They struggled. You could make a very strong argument that they shouldn't have been in the tournament. That doesn't just because they won two games. It doesn't subtract the fact that they were lucky to be in the tournament. 
And here's why, because teams don't teams that don't see that zone don't know how to prepare for it. And so that uh, you, you play an ACC schedule every year. The ACC knows how to play the zone. Most of those teams see it twice a year. Coach K, Roy Williams, they've been game planning for it for decades. And then you get in the tournament and, and suddenly it's like, you know, throwing a wrench and things. You don't know what just hit you. So uh, I, I, for those that, you know, uh, a lot of media folks out there say that Syracuse was disrespected with an 11 seed or you know, people saying they shouldn't have been in the tournament. They probably shouldn't have, but uh, power to them for, for having it work out. Uh, I, I had a thought in my mind that this was going to happen. I can't prove that now, but uh, that they were going to beat San Diego State, that teams were going to struggle against the zone, and they were going to go on this run like they always do. Uh, I did not predict for it, and that was my bad, but it's worked out for them. There's a, we played a, uh, in, in high school, at Cloverdale High School, we played a team that ran like this triple, uh, single wing, triple option offense. And the team itself was not the most talented team on the face of the planet, but they made a state championship my senior year because once they got through the sectional where they almost lost two games, they just ran right through everyone because no one knew how the hell to stop it. So uh, shout out Monrovia Bulldogs for the, uh, for the, the single wing, triple option offense and I guess shout out to the Syracuse Orange for playing that 2-3 zone. Well, it's going to be a very, very interesting Sweet 16. As I said, you've got an 11 seed, a 12 seed, a 15 seed. And we still have, as we're recording on Monday, we still have a whole other slate of games today. You're guaranteed either the 11 seed UCLA or the 14 seed Abilene Christian. So you're going to have a fourth double-digit seed. And then uh, Maryland could upset Alabama as well as Ohio playing Creighton. I mean, that's a jump ball as well. So yeah, uh, it's, it is the chaos that everyone thought it would be. Uh, the other thing I would say, and this is obviously a point of personal pride for us, but I think that Indianapolis has really looked great in terms of how they have hosted the tournament, uh, the sites. It doesn't hurt that we had the best weather we've had in six months here this past weekend. Yeah. So it looked good on TV. Uh, really, really uh, impressed by the job that the city has done in hosting the tournament. I think it's had a cool vibe, especially Hinkle when you see the sun shining through and you get the shadows on the, I, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Playing, playing NCAA tournament games in Hinkle Fieldhouse almost just needs to become a thing. You know, I don't know how you make it happen every single year. Uh, I would hate to take the first four away from Dayton because that's tradition and, and Dayton does a great job hosting those games, but uh, man, if you can find a way to, to squeeze four, six, eight NCAA tournament games every year into Hinkle, I think you'd be in business, especially if you get that place full, it would be, uh, it would be quite the environment, but I agree with you. It's been, uh, it's been fun watching all the arenas we, we know and love outside of Mackey on television and uh, it's almost it's almost a shame. I understand why they're doing the final games, the big games in Lucas Oil. And obviously, if the final four in a normal year was here, it would be in Lucas Oil. But with only 25 percent capacity, I mean, can you like a, an NCAA final in Hinkle or in Assembly Hall or, or even a Mac Arena? That would just be electric. I, I almost wish they would find a way to put couple of final four games in those small arenas again i get it um and you're going to be able to put a lot more people in lucas oil and it's all about that revenue but uh but it would be fun to host some big games in some smaller settings it's also it's also pretty pretty great that uh it's bringing certain folks to town obviously it's bringing business to town but 
uh, I was playing some golf yesterday in this great weather, and two holes ahead of me, Al, was Ron Harper. Oh. Former NBA great, whose son, unfortunately, lost to Houston last night. He actually, Ron Harper Jr., missed the three-pointer to tie the game at the end of the game. But uh, Ron Harper playing two groups in front of me. Not a bad, not a bad golfer. And he had a, a humble brag. He was, he, his golf bag was a Groves 23 bag, which for those listening is the private golf course that Michael Jordan has built. And mm. literally the only way you can play that golf course is if Michael Jordan invites you himself. And so given that he did win three rings with Michael in Chicago, I'm guessing that helped to get him the invite. He got the nod. He got the nod. But so you're saying that, that we probably do not have an opportunity to, to get on Groves 23 or whatever the the course is called I did not walk two fairways over and introduce myself to Ron which I probably should have but I didn't and if I would have that would have been probably the angle I would be trying to play is is there a way I can get an invite down to MJ's place the old friend of a friend situation correct well uh something you know next time all the NCAA tournament games are in Indianapolis and, and Ron Harper's son's playing maybe that's that's uh that's a next time wish for you just write it down put it put it on a note card and uh if you if you believe hard enough in achieving your goals you can do it that's that's what we know appreciate that so so i'll give us a chance here to redeem ourselves and revise our final four would you like to go first sure i mean we, we we uh by this point uh, when the podcast comes out we could have we could be wrong on two fronts because there's there's a bunch of games that are playing today, but at this rate, we're going to keep doing this each week until we yeah. finally get a chance to get it correct. Okay. I'm going to stay with Gonzaga out West. They, okay. they really can put up points. And at this point in this tournament, uh, I'm not the gambling aficionado that you are, but I would start betting the under almost every single game. Cause these games are, a lot of them are very, very low scoring. It is amazing. Um, I've tried it. It hasn't worked. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. Okay. So Gonzaga out west in the east. Wow, Michigan has looked better than I thought they would, um, but it's only been one game. Yeah, that's. I mean that that's the bracket that we could really step on ourselves here with the games the, the games this afternoon. I, I'm torn between Alabama and Florida State. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Alabama. I thought that Iona was was possibly gonna take them down, and then Alabama just kind of stepped on it there stepped on the gas. So I'm going to stay with Alabama or go with Alabama before I had Texas. So that, that dream's long done. Uh, Gonzaga, Alabama over on the South. I'm going to stick with Baylor. I'm going to stick with my pick there. So I get one final four team, right? Okay. And then in the Midwest, there's really a battle between Cole Connor and Nick Kimball. I am I'm going to pick Loyola. I'm going to say they make it to the final four again. Sister Jean, there's something about it. I don't know what, what sort of voodoo magic she has up her, her scarf, but she has a way to get them to the final four again. I'm going to stick with Gonzaga as well. Uh, and I'm going to stick with them as, as national champions. I'm going to throw Colorado out there in the East bracket. They have, looked strong Florida State looks good too uh but I just I, I think Colorado is better than people are giving them credit for so there's my there's my sneaky sneaky that could lose today and doesn't matter um 
I will also go with Baylor, and I will also go with Loyola. I think Loyola is going to get it done. Uh, they seem to be the best team left in that bracket. Everyone was talking about how they were underseeded, which is possible. It's it's probable. They they probably should have been a five or a six seed. Illinois was still a better team on paper, so it's not like Loyola should have been the one seed in that bracket. Uh, but they uh, they got it done, and they not to make light of of Oregon State, but. They have what would appear to be an easier game on paper in the Sweet 16, and then you're going to have to go play probably, well, either Syracuse or, or Houston. And uh, I agree. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll go Gonzaga and Baylor in the final with Gonzaga still taking the ground. It would, be, it would be entertaining if for all of the craziness of this tournament, all the upsets, all the double-digit seeds, the, you know, the five-plus seed gap, upsets that have taken place which apparently there's already been more of those in this tournament than any other tournament in history that if Gonzaga ends up winning it and finishing out an undefeated season basically just you all can go play in the sandbox and have fun with your upsets and everything and we're just gonna bulldoze through everyone and and it doesn't matter at the end of the day what upsets happen or or what bad teams get in the final four Gonzaga is still gonna get it done. I feel like the the Colorado so what's interesting about that Colorado game I I did pick Colorado to beat Georgetown because for three or four days they and they're all sitting in hotel rooms secluded they had to listen to almost every analyst tell them that Georgetown was gonna that was the 12-5 matchup that Georgetown was gonna upset Colorado and I feel like Colorado came out with their hair on fire just a little bit of pound sand and watch, watch this that I am interested. Are they, are they going to come out and play well today against Florida state? Or I think Florida state can take them to the cleaners. I, I think, I think Florida state's pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we're going to be talking next Monday and probably be completely wrong about everything Absolutely. once again. Absolutely. But that's what's, that's, what's fun. And uh, I'm surprised I'm in like a 200 person uh, bracket challenge and I'm, I'm in 61st place, which for as many X's as I have on this piece of paper sitting in front of me, could be a lot worse. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to win any money, but at this point, it's just pride. Well, I heard this morning that there were a little under 100,000 people that picked Loyola and Oregon State to play each other in the Sweet 16. And I want to know who these mythical figures are that that game. That's crazy. That, well, that many people. I think you have a lot of people who just enter these bracket challenges and throw in 45 brackets with every possible combination. And so inevitably, you know, I I have a hard time believing that Joe Schmo with his one bracket that he filled out decided, Oh yeah, this is, this is the way to go. This is what's going to happen. I could be wrong, but I think that's a, that's the product of a lot of multiple entry brackets. I I only filled out one bracket, but unlike Mr. Schmo, as you put it, yeah, uh, I, I did not have that matchup. Fraud, fraud or schmo. Fraud or schmo. Yeah. Moving on from the tournament, uh, I don't know if you saw what's, uh, what's going on down in Miami Beach, but my goodness, spring break season. Spring break 2K21, it's electric. Yeah, people are jazzed up to get out and spend a little time. They are jazzed up, and uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's somewhat applicable to the business that we are in because a lot of our esteemed fraternity members out there are just as jazzed up to get back to the social scene and uh, just, you know, need to make sure that the Miami or, or, or Boulder perhaps for, for what happened to Boulder a couple weeks ago, that that does not befall any of our 
uh, esteemed undergraduate chapters because there's a there's a lot of social energy that's just been building and and building. What's that called? Potential energy. If I go back to physics, potential energy and kinetic energy and all that, uh, a lot of potential energy just sitting right there. It's it's the big boulder at the top of the hill that's ready to release. It's uh it's a bit of a mess out there. It is, and I hope over the next six months that we can channel this energy and put it to great use. And obviously there's aspects of that that are going to be social. We want people to have a great time, make memories, all that good stuff. And also how can, how can we grow out the organization? How can we better the experience for our members? You know, that kind of thing that I know for many folks, their, their eyes start to glaze over, but it really is, you know, what we're here for. How can we create memories and better people? And I'm really excited about what the next six months have in store, but no doubt, you know, this time of year, spring break, especially for folks like us that have been in the Midwest or the Northeast and endured the cold, you know, you're, you're jazzed up to, to get out and about and enjoy a little sunshine. Ready to go. On that note, uh, shift into the, the rule of three here. And I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, uh, but I didn't. So there's nothing we can do about it now. No guests today. We are, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep it short. We're going to come back next week with, with a special guest. But no, uh, no guests today, just Donnie and I and, and Zach here in a few minutes. But I want to get into rule of three here in honor of spring break season. So we did favorite cities a few weeks ago. This is different. This is your top three favorite vacation destinations. There might be some overlap, I realize, but top three vacation spots. All right. So I'm going to have a different view than you, which is good for the listener because okay. you're more of a beach guy. I'm not oh, a beach guy. Oh, I am. Right? I am. Right? So if we go, not that I dislike the beach, I just, it's not something I want to go sit on the beach for hours on end. And if you do, great for you. That's awesome. I am, am a golfer, so I'm more into where can I go and play a little golf. So Understood. So Orlando, great, great spring break in terms of go and play a lot of golf courses there in Central Florida. Number two, I would probably say state. I would stay in the state of Florida. And the Tampa area has some really interesting golf courses. And then number one would be Myrtle Beach. You know, I guess what, let's take Tampa out. Let's go, and let's really, oh, okay. he's not here. Number we'll two would probably be Pinehurst. And number one would be, number you one said, would- You said Myrtle Beach. Yeah, number one would be Myrtle Beach. Lost Pinehurst. I'm taking down Zach. Pinehurst, for those unawares, like central North Carolina, right? Correct. There you go. Tobacco Road. Uh, so uh, if I had to list the top three least favorite vacation spots, Myrtle Beach would be right there toward the top, which- uh, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to have this back and forth. Yeah, uh, as a beach fan, not a fan of Myrtle Beach. Top three, uh, this is in no particular order because I, I, I view them all pretty equally. Number one is uh, Clearwater Beach. So that is right in that Tampa area. Tampa area brings Zach back in the fold. Uh, Clearwater Beach, solid beach, solid food, just a, an all-around great vacation spot. Uh, number two, San Diego, which, yes, does cross over with my favorite cities, but uh, a lot of good beaches there, a lot of good golf in San Diego, so there's a little, little bit of overlap. And then number one would be the, uh, the entire multi-island empire of Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii once, got married there. You might have forgotten, Donnie, but I did get married in Hawaii. 
Um, and and it, it was it was just as spectacular as you see in the pictures and on the videos. It absolutely lived up to the hype. And I would like to go back sometime before I pass into the chapter of Turtle. Uh, Hawaii, San Diego, Clearwater Beach, and then at the very bottom of the list, Myrtle Beach. Rule of three. Going to move into our fun times with our friend, Zachary Scott. Zach, looks like you are uh, coming to us live from, from Tampa. We did just do our top three va- uh, favorite vacation destinations for the rule of three. And Donnie had Tampa in there and then he took it out. And I, yep, I, I agree. And then, uh, and then I followed that up with, with Clearwater. So I figured I'd, I'd still give some, some love to the Gulf coast there. Um, Zach, one of the things I know you have coming up this evening, which, uh, is Monday evening is a little info session on working for Teak staff. So I wanted to just spend a little bit of time here now for those listening to get your thoughts on that, because, uh, we've talked a lot about recruitment with you in the last few months, but, None of those conversations would have been possible without the skills that you have built in your time on on staff here. And, you know, I'm just curious, again, for those out there who might be listening, who might know someone who would be a good fit for Teak staff or who might be a good fit themselves. But what is it about working here for the last few years that has helped you grow and and develop and build your skills and and put you in the position you're in right now? I think one of the the big pieces, and it should come to no surprise to the rest of of, uh, Teak staff, is the ability for the teams to push one another. Um, and that comes from right the top down with, with Donnie here all the way to, to the newest guy in the door, being able to collaborate on ideas and everybody's kind of got these shared experiences. Um, specifically, I would say that the skill area that is the most noticeable change is probably the presentation skill. And I don't think either of you guys would be surprised at hearing that. That's one of those things that I don't think is ever advertised. It wasn't advertised when, like, when I was going through the interviews, right? We certainly did presentations and, and other pieces, but that wasn't something that I think anybody expected to get that much better at. And in a very quick time, I mean, one, two, three years, that progress, that comes from, right, from the leadership pushing you and getting you to present in front of them or um, from presenting in front of your peers or, again, going to other conferences and watching other people present well and present horribly and those are just, I think, some of the examples of how the team and the environment that you're in allow you to continue growing. Um, and that's the, the area that I still vividly sticks in my head of, of that own self-progression. Overall, Zach, can you comment on confidence and competence? You talked a little bit about the skill set level with, with presenting, but how, how has even just that skill, how has that helped you in other areas of your life? Because many times... When folks think about a job, they just think about the actual job aspect. And in, in our in our building, we talk a lot about giving you skills that are going to help you in life outside of just the simple fact of doing the job day in and day out. Yeah, I think that the confidence and competent piece is so important because, right, like being able to present in a room of 20 to 100 people is one thing, right? But being able to also take those skills and utilize them when you're having those one-on-one conversations with people or those one-on-five or whatever it is, those chapter-based interactions, I think you can't put a, a price tag or, or any other value on how important those skills are of translating the big idea ones, the, these conference and, and large meeting presentation skills 
into individual conversation skills. And that comes with the confidence and the competence, right? Being able to be confident and own the room, own the situation, no matter how great it is, no matter how bad things may look, um, going into that with the same attitude and the same respect for yourself and for the job and for the organization to make an impact, no matter what hand you get dealt, right? Um, And being able to, I think, one of those pieces, right, of turning a group's opinion of maybe what headquarters role is or what um, volunteer roles are, like when they confuse volunteers for staff members and all those pieces, right, there's a clear disconnect, taking that situation and salvaging it and turning it into something that's more workable for the future, right, finding a way to connect with people. That's probably one of the the most fun aspects. And that comes with time, it comes with confidence. Um, and, and I think it's something that you build into your your own repertoire we don't know what uh what the next move for zach scott is maybe you do but uh could be 10 more years on teak staff or or maybe tomorrow you're gonna go buy a fishing boat and start uh chartering out uh, out on the golf but uh i do know the person that you are right now is not the person you are when you graduated college and came on the staff and so can you just talk a little bit about how much more equipped you feel to go into whatever it is that comes next for you right now, then you did, you know, maybe you thought you had it all figured out when you were 22. I personally hate to break it to you. You did not, but um, you know, how much more equipped and ready do you feel to go take on the world in whatever capacity that is now, given the time that you spent on staff? Yeah. I think the biggest piece again is right. You do develop so many skills. You get to have your, that skill set be so spread out across different pieces, right? You're doing leadership and development trainings. You're um, working on recruitment strategies and marketing initiatives. You're driving all sorts of different, um, different initiatives yourself and empowering the members of the alumni associations, the members of the undergraduate groups, members of colonies, all these different stakeholder organizations are being driven by you. You're building relationships with other sorority and fraternity professionals on university campuses, on other staffs. And there are so many skills that's almost like thinking about it now, right? It's almost, there's so many things going on, but you, you build it over time, right? Like when you start out as an ARD, um, that role of, of working closely with groups hand in hand to, to drive our, our KRAs forward and to achieve those missions of recruitment of philanthropy of of finances etc cetera, etc cetera, those things become your day-to-day right of like how can i better impact these groups so then they can better impact their own key result areas um and then it evolves it continues to evolve and there are always more opportunities and i think that's again one of those things that you didn't realize coming in right that there would be so many other opportunities down the road and that you would be exposed to so many different pieces and then finding what that path looks like. For me, it was recruitment-based um, and, and finding ways to continue to lead and, and grow others. Um, and I, I've certainly enjoyed that aspect. Zach, I know our time is short and you have to run, but I am curious, another aspect uh, on the personal end is humility. I know that that has been one thing uh, for yourself that uh, you have really grown. Can you can you just touch upon that, the aspect of humility and how it's it's not a sign of weakness to have humility, but actually a sign of strength. Yeah, and I imagine that every year there are always a couple of uh, applicants who who think that they're the top dog on their campus or in their region or whatever it may be. And I know I was certainly one of those guys, right? I, I I've always considered myself to be fairly humble, but there's always more to be gained in, in that realm. Um, and there's always 
I think a, a better opportunity to connect with those around you, right? Again, your peers, the constituents within the university and um, the stakeholders that we mentioned before, that humility goes so far in establishing a stronger connection because you can relate better to individuals, right? If you're willing to understand where they're coming from with their feedback, with their concerns, with um, where they need help and connect with them on that level, you're going to have a more impactful conversation and you're going to develop a strong relationship and a connection. And I think that's where that, it's another one of those unspoken rules of developing that sense of humility and understanding early and being open to developing that skill set. It'll help you not just in your, your professional life, but certainly in your personal life of being able to better listen to, to people who, who matter to you. Well, thank you, Zach. We appreciate the uh, the insight, the wisdom, and certainly, uh, again, if, if you listening out there are interested or if you know someone who might be a great fit for our staff, please reach out. We are in the process of interviewing and hiring and, and need to add more more members to our team who have those same ideals and are willing to, to get in and, and learn and grow. So thanks for the uh, perspective there, Frauder Scott, and we will talk to you again next week. Adios. And that will do it for us here today. Again, no guest. We wanted to give you a short episode, uh, keep it quick here, and then we'll uh, we'll fire back up with a, a special guest next week and make sure that we continue to bring in people who are adding value to your lives and adding entertainment for our own lives. So uh, thank you to Zach. Hopefully the bracket conversation served you well. Uh, looking forward to watch a little more basketball here today and the rest of this week. Please subscribe, like, whatever it is you need to do. I know that uh, we have some some loyal listeners out there who are the first every week to uh, to get in on the podcast. And if that is not you, please become a loyal listener. We need, need more of you. Engage with us on social media, ask questions, uh, make fun of us, whatever helps you sleep at night. So with that, Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will catch you again soon. Goodbye.